it's not even follow the rules. I think if it were just a matter of following the rules, I think we could probably deal with that. The problem is there are no rules. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Building Podcast Network in Milbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg. Um, and tonight, it's tonight. Tonight is uh, the 12th. This will actually air on the 13th. It's when you'll get to hear it uh, over the podcast. Um, but uh, I reached out in, in the the, <laughs> the current state of affairs in our country. Um, I've been reaching out to people that I know that have um, possibly a, a, a viewpoint that I want. And so uh, I reached out to a friend of mine from way back. Um, I don't remember... I mean, you would have been little when I was born, clearly. Um, but your younger brother and I were best friends growing up. Um, Andrew DeGraffenried is with us from, looks like, uh, I don't know, is that Hawaii? Is that? That's, that's Hawaii in the background. <laughs> I'm actually in San Diego tonight. Oh, how so. nice for you. Uh, thanks for taking some time to uh, come on here and, I don't know, we're just going to dig around and see what's going on in the world. And um, Sure, I, I do have a question. What, what's the temperature there? Um, currently, uh, it was in the forties. Shockingly, there is snow on the ground, but it's been a very mild winter, um, so far. And I will take that all day long. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm in Eastern South Dakota. Um, you're in San Diego, but you're kind of in the middle of transition again. Yeah. So, uh, We've been splitting time between uh, San Diego and, and Las Vegas, but in the process of moving to Dallas. So oh, the warm. Yes, you've been in the warm country the whole time. How about that? Yeah, I, I prefer the warm country, actually. You can kind of draw a line across <laughs> the United States, and I'm, I'm really more comfortable in the bottom. The bottom third, nice. So. Nice. Thanks a lot. We yeah, not even the bottom <laughs> half. We're at the bottom third. <laughs> right. Uh, you were in, um, you went to law school in uh, Virginia, D.C.? Virginia Beach, yep. Okay. Uh, back in, oh man, when was that? I uh, graduated in 2007. And then you worked uh, with the ACLJ, uh, and is that I, correct? Actually, I, I did an, uh, an externship there uh, during my last semester of, of law school. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, worked in D.C. for several years. <clears throat> and then you decided that law wasn't your thing. <laughs> I'm out uh, of that. <laughs> what was... Practicing in D.C. wasn't my thing, uh, so... Yeah. Are you not I, you not cutthroat enough? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of lot of things that go on there. It's uh, it's just it's not a great place to raise a family. Mm. Um, at the time we left there, my kids were still fairly young. Um, so yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great environment for us. Well, and now your childrens are uh, are adults uh, with yes. children. One of them at least. Right. Right. Uh, so you're you're old. That makes you really old. It makes me really old. Not quite as old as the guy you had the, on your last podcast. True. But, uh, hey, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I'm getting close. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get in a little bit because one of the main things that I, I wanted your thoughts on is uh, what's going on in our political system right now. And it, it, that, that's a big, big question because it really encompasses um, society, uh, the role of government in everyday life. Um, and then... Uh, are are we being represented by our representatives uh, the way that it was intended by our founders? So I don't know exactly where to start there, um, other than maybe let's talk about uh, last week, last Wednesday, 
Um, according to the news media, there was a, uh, an attempted coup and insurrection uh, uh, against the democracy in America. Um, yeah. Is so, that how well, you let, see it? Well, let's start with the word coup. Um, word coup would, would indicate that somewhere within the government that the government tried to the government tried to overthrow the government. You know, usually you have a mm. military presence mm -hmm. with that. So um, uh, a couple of hundred protesters storming into the uh, Capitol building is not exactly uh, a coup. It's not at all a coup, actually. Uh, well, they claim attempted and a failed <laughs> coup. <laughs> um, not, e not even that. They weren't, a, because they, they, they weren't really attempting to take over the government. They were just attempting to really kind of yell and scream inevitable yeah gotcha um who wins or who who stands to benefit from uh any of that i mean it, it, <laughs> if this was a coordinated effort which uh it, it sounds like that's what's being reported that this was a, a planned somewhere in the dark alleys of the alternative um twitter and facebook medias uh this is where it was coordinated there was leadership it was uh, well doc, you know, it was like the thing they were going to go out and destroy democracy. That's what I've heard in the news. Um, is there any evidence of that? And who stands to benefit if that's the case? Well, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist on on either side. So uh, those those don't play with, well with me. I, I think I think anytime you get a mob together, uh, and I use that term loosely, um, you always have these people who who feel like that their anonymity allows them to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. Um, we saw it with the Black Lives Matter movement. We saw it with, with in Portland over and over again. We saw it um, in Seattle. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and many of those cases were actually much worse than what took place in D.C., uh, but they took place on the left, so we'll simply ignore that, call it a protest, and move on. Who, who benefits from what happened on Wednesday? I mean, because well, the, the talk is, is that this was an incitement to insurrection by the president, the current sitting yeah, president. I, I think that that's a gross overstatement. Um, I... Uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna do that, let let them point out exactly what he said that was an incitement. Um, there was no encouragement to illegal activity. Um, you know, they try to cite stuff like "we got to fight harder." Mm -hmm. eh, that's I mean, that's clearly political speak, um, not not about going and physically fighting someone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got uh, we, we had much more evidence of incitement. Uh, on the left uh, during some of these BLM riots, uh, we had this, the, the woman who is, is now the vice president-elect actually bailing out people <laughs> who, who were involved in criminal activity. So, I mean, can you imagine the uproar if Mike Pence actually hosted something to raise money to bail the guys out of jail that stormed the Capitol? Oh, but that would not go well. <laughs> well, that's, but that's exactly what what Harris did. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just a double standard. I, I think the Democrats clearly um, get the advantage from this. Um, I, I think it's a I don't, I don't think we should excuse it in any way. Um, 
and and Republicans certainly aren't getting the benefit of the doubt that um, a few hundred or maybe a thousand people uh, represent the entire party. I was uh, talking to a mutual friend of ours uh, a couple days ago uh, from back in the day uh, about this, you know, and the the uh, the Capitol Police and, you know, that's supposed to be the most secure building in the world. I mean, it's just, well, we're safe. We're safe in here. No questions. Um, and yet a group of, from what I can tell and what I, what's been reported, essentially an unarmed group of, of people yelling, um, right. were able to overpower, uh, and break into the most secure building in the country. Um, sure. is that possible that that could have just happened absent some sort of, um, uh, okay. Conspiracy, some sort of, of plan to allow it to happen i i I think so i i don't think you need any kind of complicated thing here's the here's the the reality when you have a when you have a crowd of people that large Mm -hmm. and you're talking about i mean i I don't know what the official number was i know it was in the hundreds of thousands of people that were there biggest ever Um, uh, (laughs) they were huge Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, when you when you start pressing that it's it's that mob that mass that mass of people um even if they were to open fire on them it would have been uh impossible to stop a surge like that so mm-hmm. um i mean yeah you know eventually but i i think you could with a with a group that size you could easily force your way into that and i think uh the capitol police probably did were were ill prepared for for the response that they got i don't think they expected to be swarmed uh so you know when you start start pressing that mob they've they've got to fall back at that point or 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 kill people exactly yeah open fire or fall back and um you know that's unfortunately that you know someone was shot and and i don't know what her full situation was why she happened to be in there at the time i don't know if she was part of the group that went in but you certainly should expect that you have the possibility of being shot if you're going to uh, violently force your way into a government building. Correct. Right. That's <laughs> there are people you know, with guns and, guarding the place. Sure. And and you know you had the same kind of thing in in Portland with these masses of people and you know essentially unarmed. I mean, yeah, they were using some lasers and fireworks and stuff, but uh, you know they did serious damage to some of the buildings there too. Mm-hmm. Let's step back a little bit and talk and kind of. This is not like that. No one should be surprised. I don't think that we are at this point of really, I mean, crazy division in the country. Um, it's kind of been brewing and brewing. Uh, yeah. why do you think it has gotten to this point? I mean, what's happened in America that's caused this to, uh, to get to where. Uh, Either side almost hates each other, and you just can't have. I mean, you can't even have Christmas dinner anymore because you, you you're going to hate each other because oh, you know that cousin over there they went to college or they live in this city and they this people they live out in the country and so they believe one thing and the other people and you just can't. There's no common ground anymore. How did we get here? Um, I think there's there's a couple of answers to that. I think part of it is the rhetoric that our politicians have used, um, and on both sides of the aisle. Um, 
uh, everyone is is the enemy. Uh, everything is a fight. Um, you know, we've spent four years with a president in office, and you have the left saying uh, constantly, uh, "Not my president, resist." Um, now, of course, let's all come together and, and sing "Kumbaya." Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so w when you do that, I think you you essentially divide people. Um, I, I think the rhetoric uh, in the mainstream media definitely has uh, lent itself to division. It's, I think it's. Uh, but I mean, but go back farther than that. You know, the, <clears throat> why, why do politicians and the media talk the way they do? What, I mean, what's the reason for it? Um, well, it, for, for one thing in the, uh, on, on one side of it, uh, it makes for great fundraising. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's too bad, that's, but you think you're probably right. <laughs> it, it certainly does. I mean, uh, a lot of our uh, Republican congressmen and senators have used the events of the last couple of weeks uh, to, to raise substantial funds. Mm -hmm. um, uh all the while knowing that nothing was going to change with this election, you know, so it was a little bit dishonest. Um, Democrats have done the same thing with, with, uh, with Trump. I think they were very well aware that many of the things that they were claiming were untrue and over the top, but it makes for great fundraising and it gets people riled up. Um, and so that, uh, you, you get a benefit from that. Um, what are your, I mean, does this go back to the need for term limits at the federal level uh, to, to get the career know, politician think, out of there? Unfortunately, I think the Supreme Court has, has killed that. Ooh, b um, break that down. What do you mean? Um, well, uh, man, I, I off the top of my head, I don't remember the case, but uh, I believe it came out of Arkansas. Arkansas passed uh, term limits uh, within their state for their state senators, uh, and the Supreme Court has struck that down. Uh, I think Thomas... Uh, wrote the dissent in that uh, case, but uh, so they were trying to set term limits for the their two senators to go to yes. D.C. Correct, mm. correct, and and the Supreme Court said now that they they couldn't do that. And in, in, uh, is that because so, it makes it unfair, like compared to the rest of the states? Uh, it was a really terrible reasoned case, <laughs> um, like like a lot of split decisions are. The reasoning in that case was horrible. Um, to, to the best of my recollection, I believe that the, the reasoning was that, that a senator represents more than just that state and, and to, uh, restrict. Yeah, it, it was, it was completely. Alive. Every state has the same amount of them. It, yes. Uh, it was, you can, uh, you can look the case up. Uh, I, I'm almost positive it came out of Arkansas, but, uh, hang on. I can uh, probably pull that up for you in just a second, uh, but go ahead. Well, um, I, I it, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. You should not be able to uh, make a career out of uh, politi elected <clears throat> politics, especially. I mean, you, you, and you should never be able to become wealthy from that position. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> how, how hard can that be? But. Um, yeah, no, I think it would be a huge advantage to have term limits. Uh, I just don't see a, a really good mechanism for that happening at this point. Well, they would have to actually uh, pass the law on themselves. And there's no right. way that's going to happen. 
Right. I mean, you got, I mean, look at, look at, look at either side of it. You got Mitch McConnell, who's been in the uh, Senate forever. Yeah, You've ever. got Nancy Pelosi, who's been in the House forever. You've got uh, uh, Schumer, who's been there forever. And when I say forever, man, these guys have been there longer than I've been alive in many cases. So, well, and, and not only the, the leaders there, I mean, Peter DeFazio from Oregon, he's been right. in there since I, I mean, I'm 41. He's been in there 30, I think 35 years. I was going to say, I'm not sure that I remember a time when he wasn't right. there. Right. So. Yeah, I, I don't. And so I don't. And that's irritating because, and it's like Pelosi. This is a two-year term. How has she been able to, well, I guess she was from San Francisco, so that's fine. But to right. convince people to vote for her enough times, and all right. of them. I mean, I, I don't care what side of the aisle are on, you're on. If right. you go, if you can get reelected every two years, 15 plus times, I mean, something, you either are not allowing anyone else to step up or, I mean, right. just the, the grasp of power you must have or want. I mean, it, it, it's, it's staggering. And to claim <laughs> it's to represent the people is just, uh, it uh, makes me want to puke. I don't care who says it. It's nonsense. It should never be allowed. Sorry, that's my. They yeah, all, no, I mean, all of them should be kicked out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but it, uh, it, it is something I think it would be a, a difficult thing to get at this point with the, with the Supreme Court having, and that case is actually um, uh, U.S. Term Limits Inc. versus Thornton. Mm. So if you wanna, if you wanna look that up and give it a read. Uh, it, yeah, so okay. it, it kind of closed the door on on term limits, which is ridiculous, <laughs> considering. I mean, we've got term limits on our president, but yeah, well, and and yeah. like in in South Dakota here, all the state um, elected positions in the legislature are term limited, all of them yeah. equally. And I and I think that's a good thing. It it seems to be to me. And now the argument I've heard against it by a couple people is well. We need to know the history of the house of the body, because if we if you understand the history, then you'll know that if you're bringing a bill uh, about X, Y or Z, you'll know that we tried that 20 years ago and it didn't work for these reasons. And so (laughs) you'll know that. (laughs) And so it'll be good because then you'll understand the way we work. And yeah, I I, I guess I'm just not on board with that. (laughs) Me neither. One person that told me that. I said, well, aren't there career people that work in the legislature, that their job is the operations side of things? Sure. They know this stuff. They can do that. Oh, you know, they tried that back here, and here's the reasons it failed or didn't didn't fail. Okay, so then let's try it again, and we'll go around this. We don't need to have someone in there. Nancy Pelosi, in 2018, uh, in regards, uh, she was responding to uh, AOC, uh, a her push to get the old people out of the Democratic leadership. And her sure. her response was, nope, we work on a tenured seniority system here in the House, in Congress. Because the more, and it just made me want to, I don't, again, I don't care the side of the aisle you're on. If you hold this view, you're wrong. Because what she said was, <laughs> when you have more seniority, you have more of a voice. And that goes right. against the entire concept of representative government. She sure. should not have more of a voice than South Dakota gets one, one congressperson, one representative. <laughs> he, I mean, he should have an equal voice 
than everyone else. But no, seniority. Right. I don't I don't get it. And with a straight face, she said that. Oh yeah, you know, it's it's kind of unbelievable some of the um some of the things that they uh they say and they, you know they flip constantly, you know, depending <laughs> on who's in office, what, you know, what they have to say. I mean, we saw it with the Republicans and the um Supreme Court nominees near the end of Trump's term. Um, you could take the statements of one side of the party and the other and, and flip them 180 mm -hmm. degrees and mm -hmm. you go back to when Obama was president and, uh, you know, Merrick Garland was being nominated and it was 100% flipped. So, so in, uh, in your view, uh, was the decision by the Republicans for the Garland scenario back at the end of yeah. in 16, uh, was that justified? Sure, they don't have they don't have any obligation to give him what he wants, and they controlled the Senate, so mm -hmm. uh, they had no no obligation to. Now, uh, rather than just say that, um, you know, they tried to make an argument that uh, well, you know, you're you're in the last part of your term, mm -hmm. and we need to have an election first, which you know, they completely flipped on its head when it was the other way around. Now, it wasn't completely the other way around because uh, the Republicans controlled the Senate and Trump nominated, and so. They had no obligation not to pat, you know, right. push that person through. So, it's, and uh, the potential for uh, <clears throat> the current, the president, the nominating president to continue his second term was there, right? And and so there, there was something that they could have done. So it was not an apples for apple product. Uh, not not completely, but but, but very similar, mm -hmm. very similar. And you know, I I guess what I'm you know I, you hear from the left all the time. Oh, hypocrites. Now, for them to say hypocrites, I mean, look in the mirror, but they all are at some point. Our right. whole system of, of uh, elected leadership, I just feel, is, is it's broken, and I don't know the fix for it. Yeah, I think, you know, term limits, I think, would be a, a good start on that, but again, I just don't, I don't see that happening, um, and, and I think Congress is a big part of the part of the problem, but not just Congress. I mean, we've got, you know, tens of thousands of career bureaucrats in DC mm -hmm. um, that were highly upset because Trump didn't do things their way. Um, that was, that was a big part of, of the four years of, of trying to, to get him in, in at any turn. Um, and he created a lot of his own problems. I mean, there's no, there's no denying that. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of finesse would have went a long way. Yeah, but that would have been out of character. Uh, Probably. <laughs> uh, was Trump bad for America? That's that's a complex question. Let me let me answer that in two different ways. Okay. Um, I think the policies. Uh, as a result of, of Trump being in office, I'm, I'm extremely happy with the policies. Um, I think, I think he was a big factor in, in pushing the polarization. Um, it, a lot of that came from the left, but he didn't, he didn't help things. Um, he created a lot of his own, own problems with his rhetoric. Um, he would often say things that were just, uh, ridiculous or wrong um, because he heard somebody else say it. Um, 
and so you know you just don't come across as being very reliable when you do that so i, I think in some sense uh you can say he hurt um, america uh but in terms of his policies uh the things that he did in terms of trade the things that he did in terms of the embassy in jerusalem um i mean just just about anything tax cuts um policy wise he he was really i think very good for america i think you see it in the stock market um uh he wasn't a very good uh fiscal conservative um you know uh, <laughs> who is <laughs> <laughs> so i mean there's there's that factor too but uh what kind of repercussion are we going to see from this insane spending due to the pandemic response? You know, I mean, I'm not an economist, so uh, purely speculation on my part, but uh, I would expect that we're going to see, we almost have to see the, the rise in interest rates as we've just printed money. Mm -hmm. Um so I, I think that's going to be, and then the other, the flip side of that is, I think we're going to see a, a massive tax increase, uh, which I'm not uh, not thrilled about. <laughs> well, uh, the the young the young Democrats um, proudly wear shirts that say "Tax the Rich," <laughs> right? So um, it's yeah. coming. Uh, <laughs> it has to be at yeah, some they, level. Yeah, they they love to tax you um, for for their their own pet projects but uh i think that you know i think the evidence is pretty clear that when you when you begin taxing uh heavily what you have is you have businesses that leave mm -hmm. uh the united states you have well you have businesses that leave states like at california oh man um but you know on a national level when we when we begin overtaxing people um you're going to see a a marked decline in the in the economy as a result of that people just don't spend as much when well when there's being more taken from mm -hmm. them they don't have the extra right. income to spend but it's fine we'll just send you a 600 hundred dollar check don't worry about it that's right <laughs> um, uh, aoc uh you're talking about uh inciting um fear you know like pushing people to the the brink and, and really terrifying people uh, on her instagram her uh instagram feed um, I think it was yesterday. She wrote <clears throat> the following, and I, I'm I'm thinking of you know the left hates, you know that they, they claim that Trump incites all this craziness and that he is the right. reason he's he's called for it. You know he he riles them up and he sends them out. Sure. Um, and then you get this. Uh, she says in the middle of a paragraph talking about why she hasn't been on Instagram for a while. Because the attack was so traumatic um, <laughs> that a lot of people just need a few days to process. Okay, fine. <laughs> the next line says, many, many people were almost killed. Members, many, of, con <laughs> yeah. Members of Congress, staff, custodial, and food service workers, etc. The situation remains quite unsafe. Now, I'm not at all discounting the fear they may have felt in the building. Fine. But to then come out and say... Many, many people almost were killed. You could say that about the freeway. Many, many people almost died on the freeway today. Sure, absolutely. You could say that about, uh, shoot, I don't, an airplane. Many, many people almost died in a plane crash. Sure. Yep, they did. 
uh, it, it seems it seems irresponsible for someone like that to to do this and to say nope it's good the right is a fear-mongering group we're not right right well <clears throat> i mean um let me let me read you a quick quote i think this will play right into where you're going um and you can tell me who said this <laughs> our our election was hijacked there is no question Congress has a duty to protect our democracy and follow the facts. Ooh, I know. Nancy Pelosi in 2016. Yes. <laughs> or 17. <laughs> 2017, yeah. yes. Um, but, I mean, that when, when that's said on, on the flip side, you know, when, when, um, when one of the Republican congressmen stand up said, or Ted Cruz says that, mm -hmm. uh, you're... you're you're ludicrous. Yeah, you're, they need, you're crazy. You need to be kicked out and censured. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and in fact, they're, uh, they're, they've actually presented a bill um, to remove uh, certain congressmen at this point. So you want to talk about um, tyranny. Um, <laughs> let's, let's remove duly elected officials mm -hmm. uh, just because we want to. Um, and, you know, this... So... This whole free speech thing. This is a this is a big big issue for me. I think this is. <clears throat> I think maybe. Maybe more so than any other, uh, any other right that we have. This is incredibly important. I, I would stack it so close to the Second Amendment. You may have trouble um, picking one. Well, as, as is is not the Second Amendment there uh, to protect the first? Kind of? Maybe. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, if it came to that, that that's, quite a, that's quite a long... <laughs> I, I would hope that we would... If we've got to that point, we've lost our First Amendment. If we've got to the point that we need to use the Second Amendment to protect the First, we've already lost it. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's... Uh, so... This this whole situation with Parler, mm -hmm. um, so they they've been completely removed, scrubbed from the internet. Yep. But you know it is interesting to me. They uh, and of course they have filed a, a lawsuit against Amazon. Um, unfortunately, that am that that lawsuit needed to be filed in in Washington State. Um, also, it's not going mean, anywhere. Uh, it, exactly. That's. Mm. Uh, I think the only way that lawsuit goes anywhere is it's got to make it to the Supreme Court because, um, of course, you got the the Washington uh, is is left enough as it is, but um, beyond that, you got the Ninth Circuit. So Washington's part of the Ninth Circuit, uh, as we all know, they're the most overturned court. So they uh, they like to make decisions that. Uh, that they <laughs> that like, don't but stand. nobody else does. Yeah. Well, I, I, wasn't that one of the uh, courts that Trump actually was able to kind of flip with with some um, of some of the um, nominations? Some of the yeah. So anytime you have a someone in office who's nominating more conservative justices, you're going to see all of the all of the districts move in that direction somewhat. Mm -hmm. So, um, and of course, the Supreme Court moved heavily in that direction, and I'm not unhappy about that at all. Um, but, you know, the media has so uh, surrounded that. So if we go back, so uh, when that when uh, Amazon first uh, 
kicked Parler off. Mm-hmm. Um, the the news media. <laughs> that was that, mon- the, Sunday night, I believe. Yeah, Sunday night. So mm-hmm. Monday, the headlines read: Parler sues Amazon for kicking it off the internet. <laughs> now, I think that's a pretty accurate description of what happened. But as time goes on, that that headline begins to morph, and it becomes. Parler sues Amazon for cutting off its services. A mm. little bit different statement, right? Yep. Um, the f- most recent one, 12 hours ago, Parler sues Amazon for withdrawing support after U.S. Capitol riot. That's what it was? It's like, they, <laughs> now what I would read from that <laughs> is they no more, no more support calls. Right. I mean, you're out. <laughs> you still run, but you, we're not going to help you. Right. Which is kind of so, what happened, but yeah, it sounds much more, uh, much more, much more benign. benign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think that's that's the scariest part because, you know, you got these you got these guys on the left saying, well, we need to ban hate speech. Oh, well, brother, define speech, that. Well, exactly. Hate speech is not a category of speech. Um, uh, speech is either protected or it's not. Um, sure, you have no right to incite violence. In fact, you have no right to incite imminent violence or imminent lawless action. Oh, um, uh, break that down. So for me to suggest, and, and I'm, I'm not doing that, let me be right, clear, yeah. but for me to example. suggest- This is an example. That, right. Uh, that the, the, the best way to get this country back on, on the straight course would be for armed people to- um, to attack the Capitol. Okay. So if we were to say that, Mm -hmm. that does not on this particular podcast, that would not be an, that would not have, there would not be imminent lawless action as a result of that. Okay. Um, there, that might be some, see, here's the deal. You could, as, as a law enforcement group, you could deal with that. You could arrest me. You could, you know, uh, throw me in jail for, for, those kinds of uh, activities, but that's not imminent. Now, if Trump had told those guys, "Hey, let's go storm the gates of the of the Capitol right now," Break if he had down. actually, yeah, right, mm-hmm. if he had actually that, that would have been imminent lawless mm. action. But saying we need to fight harder and let's march over to the Capitol, that that's not. It doesn't. It doesn't reach that level. Um, so. When these guys talk about hate speech, uh, uh, let me, uh, it, just not too many years ago, uh, <laughs> I think it was right as uh, Justice Gorsuch was taking uh, his seat on the court. So he, w- he didn't participate in this case. Um, there was a group called the Slants that had filed for uh, a trademark. And they were denied that trademark because it was considered a racist term. Okay. Um, um, they they were referencing the idea of Asians and slant slanted eyes. Like you mean the 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 people applying for it were or yes. the court was? Yeah, yeah. No, no. The the people applying. For okay. It. So the court uh, in hearing this argument, um, and and I'm going to kind of give you just a little background, and then I'll jump into the quote here. This was a an eight to zero decision. So everyone on the court agreed with this, uh, including our our left-leaning justices. Um, The argument that the the 
uh, trademark was making, that the government was making essentially, was that they had the right to block that kind of speech. And so here's what, here's what the court said in response to them. No matter how the point is phrased, it is unmista its unmistakable thrust is this. The government has an interest in preventing speech expressing ideas that offend. And as we explained, that idea strikes at the heart of the First Amendment. Speech that demeans on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, religion, age, disability, or any other similar ground is hateful. But the proudest boast of our free speech jurisprudence is that we protect the freedom to express the thought that we hate. Hmm. Um, I, I think we need to get back to that. <laughs> um, we need to protect the thought that we hate. But that's not nice. <laughs> it makes some people uncomfortable. So, so the idea that the Supreme Court, and, and here's the problem, you know, Ben Shapiro often says that uh, culture is upstream of politics. When you get all this talk about hate speech, eventually I think it's going to leak its way into the, to the legal jargon. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, to this point, it has not. But I think it will start to, to find its way in. Do you think that that may be beginning uh, with some of the House rules that are being put forth currently on language with well on the words that are allowed to be included in um house rules and so yeah. to to remove reference to mother father uh those right. gender roles um is, is that is, See, is that the first step is that the door open now uh, i i think so I, um i had a, a law professor who who once said uh, you can write the contract as long as i get to define the terms <laughs> so the definition of terms is important mm -hmm. it is important that we speak the same language i think i think that's part of the division here um we don't we don't speak the same language anymore i think there's there's two really diametrically opposed dialects mm. um when you say uh, a man and woman and that's offensive to people um Man, it's hard to find some common ground with that. Right. Um, you know, looking back at the kind of thinking more on the, the censorship, I mean, spree that's going on right now. Um, right. The, the, the big social media platforms, um, my understanding is they have relied on the protections of Section 230, which allows sure. them to not be held liable for content on their platform because right. they don't produce that content. They don't edit it. Right. They don't uh, publish it. It's, they are strictly the road that it goes on. Right. Um, Apple, <laughs> in their uh, letter to Parler, said, you, we can't allow your app to be sold in our app store unless you can make your editing capability more robust and you uh, show us that you are going to shut down um, this insightful speech on your platform, sure. which by, you know, that then in my mind makes them kind of a, they have to edit people's content now. 
and make right. sure that what goes out is appropriate according to Apple. Well, they, whatever, they're, I don't think they're there anymore. Um, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, sure. those apps sure. are currently on that app store. Does that imply that they do comply with Apple's demands and thus are publishers by that definition alone? Um, I, I don't think that makes them... It certainly begs the question, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I, I think they're, they have a right to, so you have a right to kind of curate your comments on there, okay. but still not be responsible for them. But when you start making it so that there is only one viewpoint, mm -hmm. you've basically become an editor at that point. Um, so you, yeah, you're, so you're taking you off a certain line and you're allowing a certain line. Right. Right. So, I mean, they're totally fine with, uh, you know, pictures of a decapitated Trump or, uh, you know, calls against uh, calls of violence against Israel, calls of violence against uh, people on the right mm -hmm. on the right side. Uh, hang hang Mike Pence was uh, trending on Twitter. Uh, did did uh, Amazon cut off their servers for that? Mm. No, so there's a complete double standard, um, and and not only that, there's so when you when you when you look at the fact that there's only a few companies in the United States that has the capacity to host something like that. <laughs> AWS so, is one of them. <laughs> AWS controls fifty percent of the servers. Fifty percent uh, of that's, the servers on the web. Right. And it is, don't they host a lot of uh, DOD as well? Uh, that's now, possible. I, I'm not. I'm and, not. And I'm sure that's proprietary side of it, but I do think that that's a big part of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, so, that's sketchy there. Cause, well, when you look at the fact that, that they own 50% of it, I think um, Apple owns about another 13% of the servers. And. Uh, Google's, I don't know, I think they're single digit numbers in, mm -hmm. in on the Google servers, but that adds up to almost 70% of the, of the available servers that are out there. And many of the, of what's left are small, small companies that don't have the ability to mm -hmm. host something the size of a parlor, right? You know, they can host your local website or, you know, a, a small podcast or something, but they can't host a, Mm -hmm. you know, something that handles millions of posts a day. So uh, what they've done is they've said, essentially, we're not going to give you a voice. We're going to cut off that voice. Uh, that That's frightening. It, it, are you, I mean, did you ever think that that would ever be possible in America? You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. I mean, essentially what they've done is they control all the printing presses. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're, you're welcome to print your own paper, but you can't, you can't use our printer printing press to do it. And we're the only one that has one. Right. That's essentially what they've done. Mm -hmm. so, and if you want to, you know, if you want in, you got to follow these rules. You got to not No, It's not even follow the rules. I think if it were just a matter of following the rules, I think we could, probably deal with that the problem is there are no rules um the, the many times when they take down websites and servers and 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 particular posters they can't even 
reference what it is that they violated. So it's just arbitrarily. They're just jumping, right. jumping it, all it's, over. It's viewpoint-based. Gotcha. It's completely viewpoint-based, which, you know, people can scream, well, it's not censorship if it's not the government. <clears throat> the problem is that this has essentially become our new public forums. So um, does, this, does the First Amendment apply to a, a platform like Twitter or Facebook? It does not. So then is this even a discussion? I mean, do, do they have the right to say, nope, we don't want you on our system. And then there's no, like, that's just the way it's going to be. Make your own. I, I think it's a little bit complicated because, uh, you know, the, you know, the first amendment says Congress will make no law. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then it, of course it was applied to the States through the, through the 14th amendment. So you've got, uh, it's gotta be a government actor for it to be a restriction of speech. But they've gone beyond just restricting the speech. You know, if, if it were just Twitter saying, you can't say that on here, and we're, gonna, we're not going to allow a particular viewpoint on here. Yeah, you have the right to do that. But now they've gone beyond that because what, what happened with Parler is Parler said, okay, if we can't say that there, we'll start our own and we'll do that. Mm -hmm. And so the allegation is that, that Twitter is essentially uh, – conspired with Amazon to shut them down and Apple and Google. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But specifically in their lawsuit, mm -hmm. they, you know, they, uh, so they're, they're citing the Sherman antitrust act. So they're saying that they, they conspired to, to keep them from have having any competition. Mm -hmm. Because Amazon has just signed a multi-year deal with Twitter. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's I mean could, could it be said I agree with that could it be said that uh, the government does have some say because there is there are reports out there that the FBI has um, offices within Facebook um, and, and so there there's an open communication is, is that just because they want to be able to check up on people or does that kind of put them in a control scenario you know, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Um, I, I guess I probably don't really have enough uh, enough of the facts to really form a, a a valid response for that. Well, fine then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll allow it. Um, you know, there there is talk uh, around here. You know, the the First Amendment allows should should allow people to say things that I don't agree with. And that I don't like. And as long as I'm not saying go over there and kill that person, theoretically, um, we, it should be allowed. Um, right. And if I, and, if you don't like it, don't listen. And in fact, it, it would be perfectly acceptable under the First Amendment to say, you know, this place would be better off if they were dead. Ooh, because that's not an actual like call. It's not a threat, and it's not a call to violence. Hmm. That's an opinion about the world would be a better place. If that person were dead. So, I mean, we may not like that language. That may not be the language we would want to, to use, but that's not, uh, that, that kind of language should not be banned. Hmm. Uh, do we really want to force that underground? <laughs> well, By the way, did you, speaking of that, did you happen to see what Twitter posted today about what's going on in, um, uh, I want to say it's Uganda. No, 
I, uh, I, I don't I, really I hang have... out on Twitter much. So just, just see if you can find any hypocrisy in this. <laughs> Ahead of the Ugandan election, we're hearing reports that internet service providers are being ordered to block social media and messaging apps. This is today. We strongly condemn internet shutdowns. They are hugely harmful, violate basic human rights, and the principles of the open internet. Really? That's uh, from, uh, I actually went and I saw that and I went and I said, okay, I gotta go look. That's actually the Twitter public policy page. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> so, you know, two days ago, they can ban the president from being on Twitter. Uh, the sitting president. Right. But uh, that's their that's their response so to being it, blocked themselves. It, is it possible that these companies are so big they don't talk to each other internally? Do, and and so the people that tweeted that thing out about Uganda, uh, either it was supposed to only go to, <laughs> I, to I Ugandan people, or they just didn't realize that they've just you done know, this I other big thing. I think they're tone deaf. I, I think they're completely tone deaf. <laughs> but how? how could I don't anyone, see. I don't think they see the connection. How could anyone with any kind of, um, I, I I would say brain, but I got to be careful, um, <laughs> be not see the irony there. I mean, or just a blatant uh, double standard. You would think that they would. You would. You would really think that they would. Or is this just the nature of uh, legal speak nowadays? No, I think it's. Man, I, I tell you what. The what the left is doing is an all-out assault. They want to silence you, and they have for a long time. Um, if you remember back in the day. Um, when, when the only voice that you had for conservative speech was Rush Limbaugh, mm -hmm. um, they wanted to silence him. Uh, they, they tried to pass laws to silence him. They did not want, uh, him to have a voice. Well, wasn't because, that the equal time they wanted to get through? Uh, so, so uh, it, it would, what's that called? It would force the news stations that ha had him. Right. They would have to put right. on an equal amount of time of the opposite opinion. Right. Right. So and that worked um, out well. <laughs> right. So we don't have a problem with listening to, to or, or the other side having a voice. The problem is, um, for the most part, people don't want to listen to that voice. Mm. Um, they, so they've found other alternatives to that, and that is uh, they control the media that people get, whether it be movies, whether it be music, whether it be uh, the news that you see. Uh, they control the narrative, and it, it, it's always amazing. Um, they get their talking points. It, like I said, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but when you go from... Uh, CNN to MSNBC to the Washington Post and all of these people's stories uh, are the same copy. Exactly mm -hmm. the same. Yeah. I mean, they word for word the same. Well, and as a We're joke, about, yeah, as a joke, Jimmy Kimmel used to do a whole bit on it back before, yeah. you know, it turned into <laughs> just bash Trump show um, right? <laughs> and hate, hate anyone that might not be, uh, you know, against him. Um, 
Right. They used to put comp- uh, collages together. Compilage. Uh, <laughs> Conan did it too forever. And it's hilarious of all these news agencies saying identical script. Exactly. Um, uh, oh, breaking news. And, and what's breaking the, news? Yeah. Our reporting says no, it doesn't. And, and they're not. They're not quoting someone. And they're 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 just putting out supposedly like their opinion, but it was identical word for word. And and the idea that that people would write a a broadcast that would be word for word, mm-hmm. um, five, six, seven different broadcasters. Uh, <laughs> They're getting their marching orders from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I was disheartened, I think, uh, over the election cycle, uh, listening to the national public radio. Uh, I'm, I'm near Minnesota, so I, I would listen to NPR, Minnesota Public Radio, almost every morning. Uh, just because I, I, I have such a wide variety of, of uh, glutton for news. I am news outlets <laughs> uh, that I listen to, and I, I think it's wise to gather as much info from different sides as possible. So I'm, uh, I'll listen to whatever. Um, sure. Heck, I read RT. I mean, if you want some crazy? Go there. Al Jazeera. <laughs> there, there's some news for you. Uh, but it, again, it's a viewpoint, and I think sure. you should at least look at it. But it was amazing to me at throughout the entire. Um, election cycle, the, the unbiased news used words that imply bias. And that's what's irritating sure. to me. Uh, one of sure. them was, uh, rather than, than reporting that uh, the president or his people are they're claiming certain things, they have to throw in the word baselessly claiming sure. or disproven uh, of, uh, you know, claims. And, sure. and that baseless word became the thing. And so they, they'd be reading the news. It's like the top of the top of the hour news, baseless claims. That's not news anymore. Right. That that's right. That, that that's an opinion. And so sure. how, how do we know that we're getting news anymore? And, and in many cases, we're not. I mean, even, you know, whether you're whether you're turning into Fox News or or. MSNBC, uh, you're still just getting a massive dose of opinion and a whole lot less fact. Well, when uh, Brian Williams says during the Parkland shooting in Florida, um, he said, uh, it's our job on the news to scare you people to death (laughs) about what's going on. No, no, that's not your job. (laughs) No, your job is to report the news and then we can get scared if we want to. Right. So I, I mean, the, the the biggest personalities in news news now mm-hmm. uh, put that in quotes um, are are people who give their opinion on the news, uh, whether it's right or left. Those mm-hmm. those are the biggest, the most watched uh, in the media, whether it be Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's unfortunate. And I think that has has helped. Uh, Going back to your earlier question, I think that has helped to to divide people. Well, and then, see, I kind of feel like the advent of the 24-7 news cycle uh, has caused this. Because I just did a search on the Google right now um, for top news ratings. That's what I put into the Google search. And the very top story that popped up is from KRQE News. And the headline is CNN has best ratings day ever for the Capitol attack. 
<laughs> so? Uh, well, Interesting. Why? It was capital attack. Uh, did, did you ever see any articles that didn't originate from the right side of the aisle that referenced uh, any attacks by BLM or Antifa? Mm. I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, BLM and Antifa, those were, those were not riots. Those were protests. Well, um, again, going back to the NPR model of, uh, of unbiased journalism. And I say that because it's clearly biased one way. And I think most are anyway, um, mostly peaceful protests. Mostly peaceful. Well, I actually jokingly responded um, on a on a social media site to someone that had posted the about the riots at the Capitol, and I just posted just underneath "mostly peaceful protests." Um, <laughs> did, did did you get lambasted? <laughs> uh, you know, I just I, I I just dropped it and walked away. So, <laughs> uh, but it's. I, yeah. yeah, nobody's nobody's describing it as a mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protest, but it was no more violent than than what I mean. It was a lot less violent than what took place in Seattle. It was well, it was certainly quicker. It didn't last as long, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think as many people have died either. So this is true. Um, again, I mean, it's not it's not to advocate some sort of you know right. takeover. That's not the issue. But let's be honest in our reporting. If it, sure. if we're going to report, be honest in it. And if you're going to have an opinion, that's okay, but be honest about that as well. Right, right. And I just don't feel like any of them are really being honest about it. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of honesty out there. <clears throat> All right, let's go back a little bit. Uh, four years. What did it mean to America for Trump to even get elected? How did that happen? Because, I mean, all the poll pollsters were wrong. They all had it wrong. They weren't even close. You know, and, and I think, let me, let me address the last statement first. I, I think that's an important thing. I think, I don't think they're missing, um, I, I would disagree with, with some of the the media voice that, well, they want to get it right, but they just missed. I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Um, I think the idea is to, you know, at some point you you kind of turn off the voter to to voting if if his candidate doesn't have a chance, you know, um, when the Cleveland Browns. Uh, oh, hold on one second. Win you, a game. No, you'll get there. But so is the theory that if we make it look like he's not got a chance, then people won't even come out and vote for him. Yeah, I think so. I think Ooh. that's accurate. I think that's accurate. Um, when you know, I was going to say when the, when the Cleveland Browns can't win a game, at some point, <laughs> attendance begins to drop. Right? <laughs> yes, it does. Nobody, nobody wants to go watch a loser, and nobody will. The vast majority of people will not take the time to vote in a losing elect in a losing election. Um, they simply stay home. Uh, and I and I think that's that's kind of where things go with the polls. I, I think the Democrat Party grossly underestimated how unpopular Hillary Clinton was. Mm. Um, I think that was part of it. Um, I think the fact that people, I think there was a little bit of 
of a a freshness to the fact that Trump wasn't a politician mm-hmm. and he said things politicians wouldn't say. So I think there was a little bit of, yeah, I kind of like that, you know, whether or not I like what he's saying, I like the fact that he's not just political speak. Um, so I think that was somewhat attractive to people. I think the problem is, um, you know, from, from my perspective, Trump is not somebody I would want to work for. Um, <laughs> He, he seems somewhat volatile, mm-hmm. you know, um, his, 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 you know, after four years of Mike Pence supporting him at every turn, uh, because Pence didn't do, uh, what he wanted in the, in the, in his capacity that, that didn't even allow for him to do what Trump wanted him to do. <laughs> you know, he, he turned on him pretty, pretty mm-hmm. radically. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's some serious character flaws on the part of Trump, but I think in some ways it was, Hey, he's not a politician and he certainly has not <laughs> been a politician right. in that sense. So, uh, <clears throat> I think that was a big part of his ability to get elected both in the primaries with the Republicans mm-hmm. and the, uh, and in the uh, general election. So, I mean, was his bull in the China closet, uh, persona, do you think that actually cause way more harm than good or will it be borne out in history that maybe it was the opposite of that no i think it probably did cause more harm than good um i think a person could could push and stick to their guns and and do things that he did uh without being without creating so much chaos around you. Mm. Um, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I, I work in, in a situation where I deal with, with leaders a lot and that's just not the way a leader conducts themselves. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you have to be forceful. Um, sometimes you got to kind of be an ass about things, but you know, it doesn't, uh, if you act that way all the time, you, you just quit getting results. Does a president need to be professorial? No, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I just think probably, you know, you can't attack everyone that has a different view from you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't. You can't just continue to isolate yourself more and more and expect to have success. Do you think that the American public is tired of the my good friend across the aisle? Uh, that that pseudo decorum. Yeah, and, and I think that was a big factor in, in Trump getting elected initially. Mm-hmm. I, I just think the the crassness in which he and and the lack of skill i think um you know there's a lot of people that uh can be blunt and forward and still yet have a a fair amount of skill in dealing with people um you don't have to be a politician to do that so i think he he did a lot of self-harm I really do. Mm-hmm. I think is, I think he cost himself this election, with with the way he acted many times. 
Let's talk about COVID. <clears throat> the uh, <laughs> sorry, that's why we're remote today. <laughs> um, do you um feel that the response by the federal government and by the uh, the state governments in America uh, was appropriate um, and justified, I guess. Um, short answer, no, but uh, I'll, I'll qualify that. Okay. Um, first of all, I guess there's a, a vast difference between um, the way uh, your governor responded Mm-hmm. Um, and the way governors, uh, kind of on the West coast and, you know, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, California responded. A lot of some, other, most other places. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well particularly here, Correct. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do a lot of travel mm-hmm. uh, with work and, and you go to different, different areas of the country and, uh, the West coast is particularly, uh, ridiculous in the things that they've done. <laughs> and, and I said from the beginning, uh, courts will suffer this for a little while they will give some latitude to the police powers of the state uh, to kind of regulate activity until they figure out what's going on. So, and that's kind of what the courts did. They kind of stepped back, but now you're seeing more and more courts go, yeah, no, you know, the Supreme court signaled very clearly uh, to Cuomo and his group, uh, Hey, you're going to have to back off. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they, they ruled against him uh and in, in so doing, I think, sent a message out that, yeah, we're just not going to tolerate uh, state governments using this as an excuse to do whatever they want, which is exactly what many of them did. So <clears throat> is COVID real? Absolutely. Is it is it deadly? Uh, it absolutely is. Um, there's a lot of other things that are deadly, too. Um, and when when people on the right said, Hey, we've got to weigh the cost of this against the benefit mm-hmm. and the cost being, you know, the, the economy shutting down versus the benefit of, of people not getting sick. And, uh, you know, there was just unimaginable that, uh, that people would, would weigh one, you know, that cost benefit analysis, but we do that all the time. We do that with speed limits. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if everybody drove five miles an hour, you'd probably never have a fatal accident, but we're simply not willing to drive five miles an hour. We're saying, no, we're, you know, right. uh, 65, 70, depending on the state you're in, maybe even 80. Yeah. (laughs) So um, we're we're just not willing to, to say, okay, you know, and, and there was the statement, I, I think Cuomo even made the statement, even one life is too many. Well, you got to quantify that's that. A, though. That's a good sound bite, uh-huh. but it's not actually a, a good policy. Right. right. Um, so <laughs> it's well, a horrible well, policy. Well, because you're going to lose one life for sure by locking everyone away and hiding as well. Right. So is that life? Is that, that. that life is not the one. It's this other one. <laughs> right. It's a different life. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Do, do you. Um, feel that this is an abusive uh relationship uh in terms of the uh, well the, the way the governments are treating the people uh but by saying you're not essential you're not essential you're essential you're not essential and you non-essential people you have to stay home and um don't worry we'll send you 600 bucks but you have to stay home 
Uh, actually, we won't send it to you for eight months because um, we're fighting, we're bickering in Congress. But that's fine. I, honestly, I think it's worse. I think it's worse than that. Ooh. Um, because I don't think it was done. I don't think it was done uh, out of an abundance of caution. I don't think it was done um, for the purpose of protecting people. You know, um, um, can can you uh, explain that a little bit? So they just did absolutely. it because of power. Uh, well, let me uh, let me refer you to uh, Cuomo's statement. <laughs> I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was this morning. We simply cannot stay oh, closed yeah. until the vaccine hits critical mass. Mm -hmm. The cost is too high. We'll have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Who whacked him um, on the head to make him realize this? <laughs> this is not new information. You, you know, that sounds identical to what Trump was saying right. uh, nine months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but that didn't fit their narrative. And I think maybe I'm a little bit cynical. But I think that these Democrat governors did not care one bit about the people that they were harming. It was only important to stop the steamroll of the current economy to make sure that Trump did not get reelected. Ooh, so this is a straight-up political game. I, I absolutely believe mm. that. I believe, I believe you're going to see more and more statements like you heard from Cuomo from left-leaning states. Now that they don't have their tax revenue coming in, uh, <laughs> they suddenly have a, a motivation to open it up. And now, now that they have someone else in office, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the, the, the general consensus was with a great economy, Trump would absolutely be reelected. Well, now we're going to blame him for everybody that died, mm -hmm. which is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, no, no president you know. should have that on them. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not like the president <laughs> can control this thing. Right. And, and the steps that he took were the, the, the steps that actually were helpful that he took, uh, such as banning flights from China, mm -hmm. he was criticized for. So that's just, that's an unreasonable position on the part of the left. They're not being honest about it. And, and they, I believe what they did, they did for political gain. So when you ask if it was an abusive relationship, uh, I guess in one sense it is abusive but not abusive in the sense of how um, some people would, would describe abusive, where it's uh, almost second-handed. Mm. Um, I think it was deliberate, and they mm. just didn't really care who it hurt. Well, it, it seems that that was the case. I mean, our, our state never shut down, and I, I'm, I'm right. grateful as a business owner that that didn't happen. Um, right. However, uh, I do business with companies in other states and they were shut down. And so I, sure. I, I was directly affected, not because of the, the actions of our government in the state, but because of the actions of the governor in the state beside right. us and then sure. two states over and then right. Newsom. Sure. Because yeah. I do business with those, with companies in those states. And sure. I, so I was, I, I was months without access to products because of that. And so our governor didn't, didn't do it to us, but their governor did it to us. And right. that is because. And it, when your when your governor took the exact same stance that Cuomo is now taking, she was vilified. for. Uh, well, and is still currently. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
by the way, we uh, are trying to get her on the show, but excellent. We'll see. <laughs> um, <clears throat> how important is the public discourse as we go forward? Like, how important is it for us to, um, to get back to communication face to face as opposed to give me a keyboard? And I'll tell them what I think. I think that's is critically important. Um, you know, there was a couple of podcasts over the last couple of years that have been, uh, I think, pretty good at, at, at stating that. Um, uh, one of them was with Jordan Peterson and last name, I think, was Horowitz, um, who was actually advising some of the Democrat candidates on being a little more inclusive and, mm. and having the dialogue. And, and that's a podcast well worth listening to. Um, and, you know, someone from the left, um, I think, I really think that, you know, and I know in, in a lot of circles, it would probably be frowned upon, but um, the Joe Rogan podcast, I think is, is huge for that because mm-hmm. he doesn't try to, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times people get frustrated because he doesn't really press people when they give him an answer that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, he simply wants to hear their point of view. Yeah. And, and I think that's incredibly important to have that kind of voice. Um, you know, some people may not like the, the language that's used on that podcast or, or the or amount of, of the weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to worry too much about right. that. You, you can't really get that over your, your earphones. On, right. so, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, are you going to start using that to help uh, fly your, your interviewees? Well, uh, it depends. <laughs> as soon as we can get them in the building, you never know <laughs> that we, we did pass some bill in the state that would, should allow that, but. You never gotcha. So I, I think, you know, a, a lot of those kinds of things are, are really important. A lot of those voices that uh, kind of mix different things and, and mm-hmm. give you different viewpoints. And, you know, I don't think the right, the right side of the aisle is always correct on the way they do things. Um, I think the left is wrong more often. And mm. that's my, my take on it. Um, <laughs> But I, I think we need to hear from both sides. And the reality is, I know with people that I know personally, that if we had to sit down and solve a problem, mm-hmm. uh, even with a left and a right viewpoint, you could find points of compromise. The problem is today, everybody wants to say that compromise is a bad word. You want all of what you want. And, and if you don't get all of what you want, you'll take nothing. Well, that's just a ridiculous way to, to go through life. Well, but, not... but that's kind of how it is in Congress now and in our lawmakers. Right. So Absolutely. I, but what is the common ground that we have anymore? Is there any? You know, I, I think there probably is. We've got to, we've got to stop vilifying the other side. Um, are there bad actors on both sides? Absolutely. But we can't, we can't paint what, 74 million people as insurrectionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, because well, they're, trying, they're trying to. 
if 74 million people truly were insurrectionists, we yeah. would have a different government today. Mm. Um, that, that ain't the way things would have went. Uh, so <laughs> we've got, we've got to stop doing that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we have received, you know, one of the things that's so important to me, that the freedom of speech, we actually, the, the, the history of that is on the left. It's not on the right. Um, the right was much more restrictive on speech. Um, so we have received some good things from, from quote liberals, you know, uh, freedom of speech is one of them. Uh, now, unfortunately they seem to be abandoning that principle. Uh, but it's not everything that comes from the left is bad. Um, but unfortunately, uh, much of what the left is now is much more akin to, uh, not even socialism so much as communism in many cases because they want to uh, they, they want to go beyond just a, a a redistribution of of wealth to a to a con they want to tell you how to think mm -hmm. they want to tell you what to say what you can and can't say and we'll punish you if you don't and it's um, it's one thing to say that you aren't allowed to say something it's another thing altogether to say you must say this thing. Because I mean, isn't that compelled, what... Well, compelled speech is the worst. But right. I think saying that you can't say certain things um, is equally as bad. Um, but but it's, know, it's, one th it's one thing, though, to put duct tape across someone's face and say, shut up. And then the other, it's another thing to say, oh, now you actually have to say these words. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think where where a lot of this goes, I mean, with, with some of this, some of this regulation of language, um, just recently there was someone tweeted out um, abortion is murder. Hmm. Well, the response on the left to that was that this is a violent tweet. Because abortion is not violent. <laughs> right. Abortion's not violent, but that opinion is. Hmm. So. You know, this whole idea of hate speech, again, just it really worries me that that's working its way into our our conversation, um, because what's going to happen is um, it's going to affect what we are allowed to say from a religious standpoint, you know. Um, it may not be popular to say that a certain group of people is going to hell. Mm -hmm. That's hate speech. You know, um, it may not be popular to say that certain lifestyles are not uh, compatible with Christianity. Uh, and if you say those things, and now you're now you're you're spewing hate speech. So, I think it's a very slippery slope, and I, and I, it very much concerns me. The idea that uh, that speech will be limited. What do you think it'll take to actually get there, though? I mean, it, it, are we closer than any of us ever want to imagine? I think we're very close now. I think um, we, we've seen it in other countries, other even even in Canada, we've seen mm -hmm. some of that. Um, we've and we certainly there's certainly the attitude on the left that espouses those viewpoints that you know if, if you're 
If your speech offends me, then you shouldn't say it. And and when that's, that's the, frightening. The appropriate response would be, I'll just not listen. Is, is that correct? Well, you can either not listen or you can you can formulate Engage. a response. Okay. Right. Right. I think the, 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 you know, the idea of even, you know, Twitter banning so much of the, the conservative viewpoint and forcing two things. They're, they're forcing conservatives into an echo chamber, but they're creating their own echo chamber. And I, and I think those are horrible things. Um, I think not getting another viewpoint uh, and just constantly hearing the the amens from the choir mm -hmm. uh, is not a it's not a good place for us to be as a society. So I, I think that tends to I think the the social media algorithms that that keep you coming back to the same same statements and and create an echo chamber so that you you know Trump supporters believe that everybody supports Trump and Biden supporters believe everybody supports Biden. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think that's conducive to a good society. Now, do I have a solution for it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks. What good are you? <laughs> um, what does the uh, Biden Harris administration look like for the next four years? I mean, wh what, in your view, um, contrasting, you know, against the last four, what are, are we going to see a big change? Is it going to be little? Uh, is this a radical difference? Um, how do you see that going? I think the loss of the Senate uh, radically changes that. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's enough moderate senators there to to stop uh, some of the some of the things that they want to do. I, I think you'll see things like tax increases. Um, the hardcore left agenda. I, I don't know how far they'll push that really. Um, simply because I, I think it will be a, a, a bloodbath for them in the next election. Metaphorically speaking. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I think they will lose the Senate. I think they'll lose the house. Uh, do, do you think that's inevitable or if they try to push some of this agenda? I think it's somewhat inevitable. Um, I think they will do some things that, that really motivate people who are uh, certainly not pro Biden. Um, I, I think, I think she's much more radical than he is. And mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think she'll be the first female president uh, probably before the end of the year. That's interesting. <laughs> and not maybe by vote. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <clears throat> um, talk about the Supreme court when you were in DC, um, The, the makeup, like, it just seems so odd that one president would get three nominations in, in, a, right. in a first term. Um, right. Do you feel that the picks that got put in place, in your view, were uh, the right people? Uh, I do. Um, for, first of all, I think there's... I don't think on the on the right side of the aisle that there's 
too many really radical justices. Um, you, you don't really see that. Um, Explain that a little bit. What does that well, mean? Well, I mean, even if, well, it, it, so when you talk about Ginsburg, Ginsburg would tie herself in knots to come to the conclusion that she wanted to come to. Mm. Um, and some of the opinions that she wrote were just horrendous. Um, when you look at guys like uh, Scalia, uh, to go back a few years, um, you know, Scalia voted to allow the burning of the American flag as free speech. He was personally opposed to people burning the American flag, but he would not infringe on that speech. Um, I think the left has a much harder time separating their personal views from what they want the law to be. You know, one of the most horribly written decisions, horribly reasoned decisions in, in Supreme Court history is, is Roe versus Wade. But the left so defends that position, even though it was, it's based on nothing. I mean, it's an it's a absolute travesty, the way that thing is put together. There is no basis for uh, abortion in the Constitution. And yet they, they had to try to tease that out of there. Uh, and it just, it's, uh, so the, the left goes to, to extremes to, uh, justify their positions that they want to have. And I think the right tends to be much more moderate on that. I mean, you even seen um, the, was it Title IX case? I'm trying to remember which case it was. Um, I think it was Title a Title IX case, and I think it was Gorsuch that wrote it. I could be wrong, but... Uh, uh, that many conservatives were pretty upset about. Um, but I, I think they try to, to be fair when interpreting the law. And I think they're, they're much fairer when they do it. Um, you know, there's, I know uh, Roberts takes a lot of heat for his positions, um, but he also has taken some very moderate positions too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he doesn't like to get involved in the political side of cases. Uh, so I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of a spineless thing to do, but uh, <laughs> some of the reasoning uh, that he has, he's had in some of his cases have been very solid too. So um, I, I like the makeup of the court right now. Uh, I think if, I don't think, and I, and I, I sincerely hope that I'm correct in this statement. I don't think that um, a Biden Harris campaign will try to pack the courts. I think doing that delegitimizes the court. Mm -hmm. um, there's if you do that, there's no end to it. You know, the next time, the next time the Republicans control the. White House and the Senate. Why not just right. uh, add some more? Up the number again, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a, a terrible, terrible way. And I, I think that the that there's enough moderates uh, in the Senate that that would never go, go over. Well, uh, I do worry. What's about, the mechanism 
for that to actually, if that were to happen, what what does that look like? Uh, it's just a matter of Congress uh, changing that number um, and the president signing it into law. Hmm. So, I mean, it's changed in the past, but, um, and, and Roosevelt threatened to do it. Um, but I, I don't think it's changed since uh, somewhat sometime right after the Civil War in terms of numbers. So um, it's uh, it's been this way for a long time. I don't I it would it would destroy uh, the integrity of the court to do that. So I, I don't think that will happen, even though that was kind of floated out there by some on the left. Would um, it be um, similar to? Uh, Congress just deciding on a not a whim, but just getting together and deciding that they would change um, the number of senators there are. Would would it be similar to that, or is that a totally different process? Well, now that's actually I think more likely thing, and and the way they would do that would be uh, by adding D.C. and Puerto Rico states, mm. which would immediately increase their numbers mm-hmm. on their side. Um, and I, and I think that's a very real threat. I could see that happen under a Biden administration. Does that then change the, the, the makeup of the, the representation, like for generations? Like, are are we going to see any kind of, um, balance after that? I I don't think so. I think if you, I think if you do that, it's going to be very hard for the Republicans ever to have a majority in the in the Senate. Hmm. I mean, you're essentially giving them four gimmies. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> which you know, I guess was the other. I way mean, they've around. already they've already got a few. I mean, uh, you know, you're not there's there's just you know, California doesn't. I don't know when the last time they were elected a Republican senator. Uh, you know, New York. Yeah, it just. So. Well, it's an exciting time to uh, to to watch politics. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, maybe I think in in, in recent uh, recent months, I found myself uh, turning it off more often than not, <laughs> just because I don't don't really want to listen to the to the bickering and the and the the one-sidedness. I, I will say this for my, for, for myself, I, I found myself increasingly getting my, my information from alternative sources. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it's very rare that I watch TV to get my news. Um, um, usually about the only time I turn it on is uh, during election returns, simply because it's usually a little, little easier, <laughs> yeah. a, a little more fluid than, than watching it online. Um, so that, that's about the, the extent of it for me. Um, I tend to get most of my information from, you know, reading on the internet, you know, sites that I visit um, and uh, podcasts are a big part of that. For yeah. me. So I, uh, I think if more people did that, maybe there'd be a, a little less, uh, a little less vitriol in the, uh, yeah. Um, to more personal notes, you 
have been I'm trying to think the last time when I actually saw you. And I don't know if I know that. Um, I'm not sure. Because you guys, well, when I moved to South Dakota, you guys were on the East Coast at the time. Um, that was in 2008. Okay. So probably, I'm going to say, uh, we visited back on the West Coast a couple of times while I was in law school. So if I saw you one of those times, it was probably <laughs> the last time I saw right. you. If I didn't, would be about 2004. So. Oh man, has it really been that long? That's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. I let, yeah, I started law school in 2004. I think we, yeah. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> and now you went East Coast and now you're back uh, West Coast and you are uh, en route to Freedom Land, they call it. Yeah. To I mean, the yeah, Southern Freedom absolutely. Land. Some of us up you know, here it's, called. I call it Operation Keep Texas Red. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're going <laughs> that's right i've got to counterbalance all the californians rushing there to uh to vote for a democrat which makes no sense but uh <laughs> well there's that um we could uh we could go for days um what impact do you see social media having like on just the the discourse that we have like the the platform you know the Right now, it's it's. I, I get my phone, and if I don't have my feed, um, I'm 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 lost. Are, are we gonna look back on Facebook as um, uh, bad on for society and and actually uh, uh, part of the ruin of society as we knew it? I I I, I don't know that that's an overstatement. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a legal answer if I ever heard one. <laughs> um, I, Couch gonna, much? <laughs> I am going to reference actually somebody else that I think actually did a much better job of, of describing some of the, the problems with social media. And um, uh, it's the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. And I, I don't know if you've had a, had a chance no. to take a look at that, but uh, um uh, at first blush, you might think that that was written uh, from a conservative. Uh, it's actually written by two fairly liberal um, college professors. So mm. I believe their their last names are pronounced Hate and Lukanoff. Or uh, okay. I, I'm going to butcher okay. that one, <laughs> but uh, it's like H A I D T, I believe. But uh, yeah, they they deal with some of the social media issues in there, and and uh, I think some of the the damage that's being done. Um, uh, they specifically cite some of the the suicide rates for mm -hmm. young kids mm -hmm. um, because of their early exposure to to some of what happens on there and the the, the brain activity and and how it responds to you know the the positive and and negative that you get from the from social media, you know, if you post something and you get likes, uh, that's similar to heroin. Yeah. In, in the right. impact of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of probably unintended damage that social media does. Uh, certainly I, I, it's not been helpful for discourse. Um, I've, I've found myself increasingly, uh, refusing <laughs> to engage, um, simply because it, it, it always devolves. 
So it just, yeah, it, it's a waste of time. It, it is. I, I decided several years ago uh, after getting into a, a typing war with someone <laughs> um, that, you know, this is not the place I will gladly sit down and talk to anyone about sure. what, you know, an issue, what we believe, whatever. I have no problem with that. Um, but I just don't want to do it at a keyboard because you, you lose nuance. You lose Absolutely. Um, those nonverbal cues. And I think people people tend to be a little more harsh too. I mean, it isn't yeah. too often you're going to look across the table and say, you know, you're, you're a freaking idiot, <laughs> right. you know, but they have no hesitation in typing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You should go jump off a bridge. Yeah, you wouldn't do right. that. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I it, So for me, I mean, that that's one of the reasons that I, love having a conversation over a podcast because even if we're not in the same room we have there is with the advent of the interweb which i i mean i love living in this era because of the technology we have Uh, but i mean you're we're two thousand miles apart and we can visibly have a conversation sure and i think that's there's a lot to that absolutely and i uh i am very much for conversation um, the idea that everything is over text or, and I mean, I find myself doing it. I'll, I'll send someone a text because I don't want to take the time to call them. Sure. Um, it's, it's easier. I don't have to worry about what they're going to say. And if they respond, I can just not pick it up yet because I'm busy. Right. And so it's, I don't know. I, I guess the other thing that, that is really fascinating is the young, the youth. And I, I mean, a lot of not youth are the same way, but. The thought is, oh my goodness, someone's calling me. You people in the room have to stop. Er, hold on, I got to check my phone and answer that conversation first. When did we get there? That, <laughs> that, that the people that are in our space are second to who's calling us. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's just young people. Um, <laughs> I, I find myself uh, doing that as well. Oh, yeah. I, I'm very much a slave to my phone. Um, I, I, I had a smartphone or a smart watch for a while and I, <laughs> yeah. I actually, it got a crack in it and I thought, you know what? It's too easy for me to be checking it when I'm in a conversation with someone and it's just not worth right. it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't think I would have any use for a smart watch and then I got one and, um, uh, it's, it's a new drug. So <laughs> well, it, it is. And I, I mean, I, I, I miss some things now without doubt. And I, yeah. you know, there are calls I miss, messages I miss. Um, but as I, as I interact with people, it's a much less distracting than right. having that right. thing. So I don't yeah, know. I and, mean, it's. And I, I've definitely found times that, uh, that I do now just turn my phone off, put it aside. Um, and, and you've got to, you've got to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to disengage sometimes. And uh, I think that's. I think that's incredibly important uh, that you do that. I mean, for me, you know, I, the industry I work in, I get calls all day long. I get text messages, I get emails, you know, so I am a, a little bit of a slave to my phone when, even when I'm working at the computer, I'm getting, <laughs> you know, stuff that uh, it, it's so bad that there's times I'll be sitting right in front of my computer working on something and I'll get an email and I'll respond to it on my phone. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> or I'll have but to, yeah. like, right now I have three computers in front of me and right. my phone and an iPad. So right. I'm good. I mean, I, I got all the bases covered. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, Andrew, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Um, hey, it was a lot of fun. It's, it, I mean, we could keep going, but it's getting late for me. And, uh, you know, we got to save something for next time. So I, I thought I thought you were one of those guys that didn't go to bed at night. Well, I'm getting older now, <laughs> <laughs> and I do have young children still. So, unlike yourself. <clears throat> That's right. Oh, you got grandkids now. See, that's nuts. You're old enough to have grandkids. That what that right. does is it makes me old, and I don't really like that. <laughs> yes, but, indeed. I mean, I have a two-year-old, so <laughs> maybe that's my fault. <laughs> we like them though. Uh, uh, very good. Any? Uh, do you uh, care to like have people follow you on the any of the socials at all, or you know? Yeah, if somebody wants to uh, <laughs> to reach out, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook. Um, I uh, nobody would be too interested in following me on Twitter. I so rarely uh, tweet that it uh, it's not not fun for most people to follow. Yeah, and I just don't do Instagram. So, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did see a, a big push recently for everybody to go back to MySpace. So. You know, <laughs> resurrect that <laughs> i wonder if any of that data exists anywhere it, it, it must it's still there it's still there so that's crazy <laughs> i mean i, I that, that was the first thing i had and it was uh it was so cool i don't know why <laughs> i mean at that point i didn't have any i mean shoot my facebook feed now is so i mean i i, I scroll through it to see you know the things the the occasional video then i'll get in that rabbit trail and geez, oh, right, that doesn't right, end right. Uh, and, and right, they're funny so. and they've figured it out and this is what frustrates me as a consumer and i need to stop being a consumer of it and start creating because there's clearly something there uh they've figured out that three minutes is what the um the the person can stand if it's compelling and so all these videos are three minutes long, and it's so easy to go, oh, I, you know, I, I, I got to leave. <clears throat> oh, it's only three minutes. It's fine. Then the next yeah. one. Oh, you know, I really got, oh, it's only three more minutes. Or, three or, more minutes. Or your, uh, I think, what is, what is TikTok, like 45 seconds yeah. or something? Or, or yeah, or less. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But I have, so. I, I have not gone down that road, and I, <laughs> I don't intend to. <laughs> I don't have time for another social platform. Heck, I just I just right. looked at Gab the other day, and I, I, again I don't have an, I don't have time for another platform. Right, right, yeah. It's, so there's know. there's so much of that, you know. But it is interesting that uh, conversations like this are becoming more popular at a time when they keep telling us our attention span is becoming shorter and shorter. That is a fascinating point because it really is the long form conversation podcast. Is I mean it's one of my favorite things to listen to. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, and and to be honest, Rogan is a uh, an inspiration of mine for this show because I think it's extremely important to get people to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And just what you know. And earlier today, I recorded um, the show right before yours on this podcast uh, with a guy, Bill Bader. Um, he's a tra racetrack owner in uh, Norwalk, Ohio. And I, I met him, um, if you didn't hear the show, I met him, um, I, I produce a uh, <laughs> drag racing podcast also um, called Class Racing Today, and they those hosts had him on in December, and as he's talking, they're talking about the racetrack, he's saying things that 
really makes sense from a business standpoint and from how to treat customers and your guests and, and things that matter um, sure. in business. And it's like, okay, th this guy intrigues the heck out of me, so I need to get him on. So he came on today and uh, earlier today, and it was, it was a fun conversation because this guy, he's been in business for 40 years. Um, he understands what it means to treat the customer well um, as priority one. And sure. I, I just, it was, it was a great conversation. So if you haven't heard that, uh, go back and I'll listen to that on give the it podcast feed. Um, but it, well, it's those what, the things. Next, the next time we, we do this, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some, some leadership principles. Uh, when I get settled in, in, in Dallas, I'd really like to uh, have that conversation with you. Well, when are you doing that? Because uh, we may have to take this show on the road because that could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm 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 going to be there pretty much full time starting in April, but I, I'm not going to be really uh, settled in there until probably about the end of June. Okay. So. Awesome. Well, I I've actually been oh. down to Texas three times in the last two or three times oh. in the last three or four years. So that'd be a blast. It would be really fun. Well, cool, Andrew. Thank you so much, um, Andrew DeGraff and Reed on the Facebook face bag. I like to call it every now and then. Um, thanks for taking the time. It was really good, yes, sir. It's been good to connect. Right. We haven't talked in years and <laughs> this is fun. So that yeah, was fun. Thank you much. Uh, give, uh, say hi to your wife. And, uh, I, I see, I, I knew your children when they were this big. Right. And um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know them as adults, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch them grow on the social medias. And, uh, I, I am fascinated that your grandson Looked just like his dad. <laughs> because I, yeah, I remember him <laughs> when he was a little one. And wow, it's amazing. Because for me, it's like, oh, yep, there's, there he is wandering about. Nope, that's his kid. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so enjoy. Right, uh, it's been fun. This is the interview on the YML Bank Podcast Network. Uh, thanks so much for sticking with us for this. Oh, geez, what? Almost two hours. Uh, whymillblank.com is the website whymillblank at gmail.com uh, is the email if you have any comments, questions uh, you want to come on the show yourself do it if you have uh, suggestions um, and we're working on getting a donation button up if you want to help support this show uh, this is something that I it's kind of a passion project of mine and I want to keep it going uh, but there are some costs involved, so uh, we're working on making that happen so you'll have a chance to become part of the show financially. So thanks a lot for taking the time to listen. Have a great day. See you next time.